welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show and you supported Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. And today we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite, most favorite food shows on television. Actually, it's not uh, being produced uh, anymore currently. Uh, I'm talking about Good Eats, Alton Brown's Good Eats. Uh, I'm a big fan. I used to love that show. Uh, I've got all of the uh, the cookbooks. He's got a, a series, a three book series that has uh, it kind of documents all of the different uh, episodes of that show. 249 of them, to be exact, uh, along with all the recipes and and food knowledge that he shared on the shows as well. Very entertaining, very well put together. And I want to talk about that today. You know, this show I'm going to actually draw from the archives of the Catholic Foodie today. Uh, We are going back to, if I can find it here, we're going back to September of 2011. So that was, uh, what, four years ago. 2011. We're going back there to uh, episode 123 of the Catholic Foodie podcast. It was called Goodbye Good Eats. This was right before, uh, or right, I should say right after Alton had, had made the announcement that he was no longer going to be producing the the, um, the Good Eats show. He was moving on to uh, different endeavors, other endeavors, and uh, was going to bury that one. Uh, very uh, sad to see. At the same time, uh, it gave me an occasion to look back at some of my favorite episodes, uh, to look back at some of the favorite recipes that I had from, from that series. So in the show today, we're going to be talking about uh, good eats. We'll talk about Alton Brown and what made and what makes him, I think, uh, unique in the food scene. Uh, he, I think in a lot of ways, he was a transition piece. He opened up uh, food television and allowed it to move into a new direction, a direction that it, it, it that was not possible before before Alton came on the scene. So it's very interesting. We're going to talk about eggs today. You know, look back in the eggs files. Uh, as one of the episodes uh, was entitled, uh, Alton. I learned a lot. I, I, I did. I learned a lot from Alton and from his show Good Eats uh, over the years. Some of the the biggest tips I learned about, we'll talk about it later in the show today, uh, about eggs and the fear of salmonella and where that really comes from. I think that's uh, important. It, it's something that we don't think about uh, too often. We we tend to have a fear of of this without realizing that it's it's a man-made problem. We we're the ones who uh, who caused this this problem with uh, salmonella. Very interesting. So we'll talk about that. You hear about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, we also. Um we also are going to talk about uh, the perfect how to perfectly scramble eggs. Uh, that's that's a good thing to know. It's something so simple, and yet most of us, I think, do it uh, incorrectly. And also how to properly uh, fry an egg. Uh, along those lines, before we get kicked off uh, on the on this uh, the archive, pulling from the archives here, the uh, the Catholic Foodie uh, Show, I do want to share a recipe with you first. That's going to come up in the first segment here today. And then the uh, the the uh, the talk about Alton Brown and the Good Eats show will follow in the uh, the, the following three segments today. I want to remind you that you are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. Uh, and, and I hope that that phrase, You Supported, piques your curiosity. If it does, you can find out why we say it. And how it benefits you by going to realliferadio.com and clicking on the Care to Share link. Very important, very important. Real Life Radio is you supported, and we're here for you. Uh, we're here to share our faith. We're here to share real life. 
right? Real life. This is real life radio. We're here to share real life experiences of faith with you and with all of our listeners. And that's a, a, a beautiful thing for us to be able to do. And uh, we, we receive feedback from listeners that lets us know that it's really appreciated. It's a, it's a good thing. Very good thing. God uses us in all kind of, all kinds of ways. And, uh, and that, that is a beautiful thing indeed. I also want to make a couple of announcements just real quick. Uh, one is that I am now a weekly guest on a new show. Uh, the Faithful Traveler, my friend Diana Von Glan has a show now on Real Life Radio. Uh, we talk food, and well, she talks travel and faith. And she's on every day at 11 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, right here on Real Life Radio. You supported Real Life Radio. And uh, I'm on Wednesdays with her. So just before this show today, you you probably heard me talking, laughing, and cutting up with uh, my friend Diana Von Glan. Very cool. I'm so excited about that. I also want to let you know, and I'm going to try to I have to pull up the details here as I'm talking with you. Um, but I will be interviewed. This it's going to it's going to air on I think Monday. I need to figure out uh, if that is the case. I may have to come back from the the break and uh, and share that with you, but. But Kid Chef Ileana uh, is, a, is a friend of mine, and she has a weekly radio show. She's, I think right now, 15 years old. She's amazing. She is in a, a culinary program right now at, uh, I believe it's NOCA, the New Orleans, uh, uh, I'm going to forget even what NOCA stands for. See, this is why you should be prepared before you start talking in front of a microphone. But I'm going to put a link in the show notes to Kid Chef Ileana. Uh, she's an author. Uh, she's written a couple of books. Uh, she's a radio show host and a personality, and she has a great personality, by the way, and she's all about encouraging families, encouraging kids in particular to get into the kitchen and to to cook, to cook real food, to cook good food, and to share those gifts with, uh, with family and friends. So uh, I will be a guest on her show. And it airs on uh, Monday, I believe. I need to get those details. As I said, I will put them in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. You can find those show notes simply by going to catholicfoodie.com and looking at the most current uh, post there, which will be uh, the notes for this particular show you're listening to. Um, uh, let's see. I think that's it. Is there anything else I need to tell you? How about feedback? Let's talk feedback for a minute. Uh, I love getting voice feedback. I have listeners who call in. This has been going on for years. Uh, I, I don't get as much as I would like. I'd love to get a, a call every day, you know, and have a have a have have you on the show with me every day uh, or have a caller on the show with me every day. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, it, it makes things a lot more uh, interesting and, uh, and enjoyable. But you can call at any hour of the day or night and leave a message at this number, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. I can play that message on the show right here and uh, it, it's like a little conversation that we have. Uh, a lot of fun. And uh, please, if you haven't called in before, you have a question about a cooking technique, a cooking method, uh, a particular recipe, perhaps, or uh, something that you have maybe had a hard time with cooking in the past or cooking in your own kitchen, something you've eaten out in a restaurant, you're wondering how to make it in your own kitchen. Uh, it could simply be that you want to share with me what your experience is around the table with your family, whether or not you have your kids in the kitchen with you, how that experience goes, uh, any tips or ideas or suggestions you have for content here at the Catholic Foodie Show. All that stuff is something that you can share with me 
uh, via a voice message that I can play right here on the show. I call that voice feedback. Again, the number is 985-635-4974. You can find all kinds of recipes and Catholic culinary inspiration over at catholicfoodie.com. Please do visit me over there. All right, we are uh, going to get into a a recipe real quick since we're going to be talking about uh, eggs in this uh, episode, in this show today. I thought that I would give you a recipe from my uh, my book, Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern Cuisine. Book came out in November and uh, it's still a new book. It's still like a brand new book. Uh, It's available uh, on Amazon. It's available at Ligori.org. It's available uh, at AquinasandMore.com. It's available... Uh, probably even in your local Catholic bookstores, uh, perhaps even at the Barnes and Noble. I know each each location of the Barnes and Noble, they do their own purchasing, right? They don't they don't you don't have like a one place in the country that makes all the purchases for all the stores at Barnes and Noble. It's 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 a store by store thing. So I know in my local stores here they do carry it. Uh, it may very well be at the Barnes and Noble in your area. Uh, and then again, I do still have a few copies, uh, extra copies on hand here uh, at the Catholic Foodie Studio. So if you want a signed copy, email me, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. I'd be happy to uh, sign that and, and ship it out to you. I'll, I'll send you an invoice and all the details I can share with you via email. But essentially, I, I cover the postage and it's $25 is the cost of the book, which is list prices $25.99. But uh, you want a signed copy, I can send that to you for $25. I think it's a bargain. Shipping is covered by me. And uh, you can have that. You can give them as gifts. Christmas isn't too far away, folks. You may want to think about that, but I've gotten so much positive feedback uh, on this book. So many people who have just uh, raved about it. It was a joy to put together. It was a joy to write. Uh, the, the photography that went into it, the uh, the many, many, many hours that went into uh, recipe testing in the kitchen. You know, my poor family had to test all those recipes. They had to taste everything. Oh, it was just so so awful, you know, for them. Uh, they, they complained the whole time. <laughs> Six months of uh, cooking and recipe testing and writing went into this book. And I tell you what, my family, they, they were, my kids were the best fed kids, I think, in the country for those six months, eating lamb and uh, uh, all kind of fresh food, falafel, uh, all kind of good stuff. So Middle Eastern cuisine, stories in here about my trip to the Holy Land uh, back in February of last year, and also uh, family stories and uh, family recipes uh, from, you know, my wife is of Lebanese descent. So I have been eating good Middle Eastern cuisine and cooking good Middle Eastern cuisine for uh, for for years, for many years uh, now. So anyway, uh, again, catholicfoodie.com. You can always email me, jeff at catholicfoodie.com if you would like uh, to make arrangements to get a signed copy. All right, we are talking eggs today. And in the recipe, in the cookbook, I do have a recipe for mint, egg, and onion omelet. I'm not going to have a chance to get through that with you uh, before we uh, have to take a break. So I will put the recipe on the website over at catholicfoodie.com. But I tell you what, there's nothing like it. Mint, egg, and onion omelet. Uh, it's a beautiful dish. Looks great. You ought to see the pictures. Uh, you can also top it with, with crumbled feta cheese if you like. 
Uh, that's all, that's very very good, and this is really this is delicious, delicious. And uh, I'll have to share this with you over at CatholicFoodie.com. We do have to take a break, folks. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show on You Support Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 123 of the Catholic Foodie. Goodbye, good eats. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we are saying goodbye to one of my favorite food shows, Alton Brown's Good Eats on Food Network. Well, it's sort of a goodbye. It may be a bit early since there are three one-hour-long episodes coming out this season, but back in May, Alton did announce that he is capping the series at episode 249, which he recorded just a little over a week ago. So we're going to dig into Alton's egg files to discover the best way to fry an egg and also uh, to perfectly scramble an egg. Uh, Sarah Reinhardt brings us a Mary in the Kitchen segment that will share the feeling of late summer and early fall right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Simplicity and complexity alike, the egg possesses the most potent powers in the kitchen universe. This mild-mannered, retro-looking carrying case houses a dynamic duo of culinary superheroes, the yolk and the white. Both amazing in their own right, put them together, and you've just got plain dynamite. But do we really tap this wellspring of goodness? Do we use all the blades on this edible Swiss Army knife capable of, of, of changing mere liquids into custard, of, of leaping tall souffle dishes in a single breath? Or have we even forgotten the simple pleasures of a perfect plate of scrambled? Join us for an investigation we call The Egg Files. We're going to pursue a higher understanding of this ubiquitous ovoid. We're going to evaluate the hardware and implement the procedures necessary to ensure its proper cooking. Stick around, because in here, good eats. I just love that. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I just love it. But it's the end of an era, folks. It is the end of an era. Food Network began airing goodies back in July of 1999. Goodness gracious, that was 12 years ago. And since then, Alton Brown has produced 249 episodes over 14 seasons. You know, when you look back at the history, it's really pretty amazing. There were two pilot episodes that were produced back in 1997, and they first aired on Chicago, Illinois, PBS affiliate WTTW in 1998. Now, the two episodes were about steak and potatoes, and the, the, the titles were Stake Your Claim and This Buds For You. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, the show was picked up by Food Network in late 1998 and didn't air you know, officially uh, launch on Food Network until July of 90, was it July of 99? Yeah, July of 99. Now, here's an early review of the pilot episodes by Steve Johnson, a Tribune television critic, and it was published on July 17th back in 1998. Okay, this is right after they first debuted on this public uh, PBS affiliate channel. He writes, uh, Steve Johnson writes, Good Eats. This PBS series attempts to be a cooking show inspired more by uh, MTV than Julia Child. Mostly, it succeeds. As writer, host Alton Brown uh, dares vacate the kitchen to actually visit spots where cows are raised, 
meat thermometers are sold, etc. The spiky, energetic camera work is first rate, and the episodes are shot on luxurious film. And Brown's writing and on-camera presence are sharp enough to hold up to the aggressive production. Friday's episode, the second of only two that WTTW Channel 11 is airing, looks at how to cook a steak. But, assuming wisely that most of us don't know beans about beef, it first shows us where the cuts come from and how to shop for them, and only then explains how to actually treat the meat. A short course, pepper, kosher salt, peanut oil, sear and cast iron skillet, then bake in extra hot oven. I hope I'm remembering it right, because I plan to try it soon. But of course, as with any attempt to practice the culinary arts, your results may vary. This lively, well-made, and refreshingly different show deserves a place at a television table overcrowded with cookie-cutter cooking programs. End quote. (laughs) Now, obviously, the show did get a place at that table. And, uh, you know, it could be argued that Good Eats actually changed the whole menu. Or rather, change the game for all those cookie-cutter cooking shows. So what makes Good Eats such a good or great, really, cooking show? Uh, Well, I mean, if you ask me, it's quirky. It's different. I mean, heck, sometimes it's really hard to categorize it as a cooking show. As a matter of fact, just last week, Alton Brown was interviewed on NPR. And this was uh, his response when he asked how he classifies good eats. I don't know how I view it. <laughs> you know, um, the whole thing came out of a, a memo to myself back in the 90s when I wrote down uh, Julia Child, Monty Python, Mr. Wizard, and thought if I could put those three things together, that would be fun. And, and, and ultimately, I think that is why good eats is so popular. It's fun. It's fun. It's quirky. It's different. It brings two taste together that surprisingly taste great food and science which incidentally i find quite amusing since that is what i've done with uh, food and faith here at uh, the catholic foodie two great tastes that taste great together now i have to tell you I've, i've never been a science guy never cared for it i was never interested in it at school science was always one of my most challenging subjects in retrospect i can see that it was challenging not so much because it was difficult Rather, I just wasn't interested. I I struggled with science all through high school, and I had what I thought was a great excuse. Science just wasn't my forte. I was gifted with the magic of words and philosophy, not petri dishes and microbes. But all of my excuses came crashing down a few years later in college. Now, I I didn't want to take any sciences, but they had these core courses that were required no matter which major you chose. So I was stuck. I put it off as long as I could, then finally signed up for a biology class. It was an I class, three hours, pure torture. I don't know how I made it. It must have been all the prayer and fasting. (laughs) I mean, I was terrified as the midterm exam approached, but, but guess what? I passed it. Not only did I pass it, but I had one of the top scores. I was so excited. I thought, hey, I can do this. And then my next thought was, darn, now I can't use my old excuses. <laughs> but even after college, you know, I never really developed an interest in science. Not, not really. Uh, so if you had tried to sell me on good eats, uh, 
from a science angle, I would have told you to get lost. But the crazy thing is, I love the show. I absolutely love the show. Um, you know, I, I wish full episodes were available on Netflix or Hulu, but they're not, which is a total, total bummer. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, not all of the seasons are even available on, uh, on DVD. But anyway, I love the show because it's fun. I find the science fascinating. And you know why? It's because Alton is not just teaching. He's entertaining. In that NPR interview from last week, Alton was asked about this, about how he manages to bring so much information into each episode. It's like a science class, but fun. And, uh, you know, this is what he had to say about that. We've got a, a big sign over the door that says laughing brains are more absorbent. And one of the things that that keeps us, you know, focused on is the fact that you've got to entertain first and foremost. You cannot teach without entertaining. And I've often said that I have the high school transcripts to prove that because I barely got out of school alive uh, because I wasn't entertained. So we've always thought that if we can entertain and tell good stories, be very visually arresting, then people will soak up the information. And we slather that information on very thick. We load it up. You know, he went on to comment a bit further about this, and uh, I want to play this clip too because it reminds me so much of how we, how we convey the faith. You know, if we treat evangelization and catechesis as just a class, which happens quite a bit uh, in, in, in parishes across the country and I'm sure across the world, then we really are doing everybody, including the Lord, a disservice. You know, and we fail uh, to really communicate the message of the gospel in a way that inspires and changes lives. Listen to this. You know, I never think you have to bring anything down. People are not dumb. They are smart. And if you talk up, they'll come up. But you have to entertain them and you can't preach to them. That's where you lose them. But it's not a matter of, of making things accessible. I think everything's accessible. You just got to tell the story right. You know, one of the things that I love about the show <laughs> is, is the way that Alton uh, plays with words. Uh, he makes elements uh, or takes elements rather of pop culture and puts a punny foodie spin on them. Yeah, I, 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 already, I already mentioned uh, Stake Your Claim and This Spuds for You, but here are some other titles that have always made me chuckle. Now, I just went through the first couple of seasons to, to look through these and come up with this list, but goodness gracious. I mean, there's, there's, there's 14 seasons. So uh, check these out. The egg files, which by the way, we will be returning to in, in, in a few moments, uh, churn, baby burn, think disco inferno. Okay. <laughs> the dough also rises. That's from Hemingway. Of course, Ernest Hemingway from the sun also rises uh, for whom the cheese melts. Another Hemingway reference for whom the bell tolls. Citizen Kane, ear apparent instead of air apparent. Fry hard instead of die hard. A grind is a terrible thing to waste. I don't know if you are old enough to remember those uh, commercials they used to have on TV that a mind is a, te- a terrible thing to waste. Uh, so this is a grind is a terrible thing to waste. Pork fiction, I love that one. Muscle bound, in this case, M-U-S-S-E-L, like muscles, you know. Uh, what's up, Doc? <laughs> Grill seekers instead of thrill seekers. Mission poachable instead of mission impossible. 
Crepe Expectations. Of course, you know where that comes from. And then Squid Pro Quo. I mean, there's just so many. The list goes on and on. I mean, there's 249 of these episodes, and he is always very punny with his uh, titles and themes, too. I mean, the way he incorporates these themes into uh, his episodes is really, really neat. Very entertaining. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show, and you supported Real Life Radio. we got to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. So, uh, you know, a couple of the titles that I shared just now uh, have to do with eggs, like the Eggs Files intro that I played earlier in the show. And those Eggs episodes uh, or egg episodes demonstrate the genius that is out in Brown and Good Eats. I mean, it's it's the incredible edible egg. I- anybody can cook an egg, right? Well, I guess so, but I'm, I'm going to tell you a little secret. You know, I learned a few lessons about eggs the other day from Alton, and, and those little lessons make all the difference in the world. Now, I, I want to let Alton tell you some of those secrets himself. Uh, back in October of 2009, right around the time that they released the first Good Eats cookbook, which covered the early years, Alton appeared on the CBS Early Show to teach Harry Smith how to cook the perfect egg. So let's just listen to their conversation. We are celebrating World Egg Day, but we didn't want to put them all in one basket. So we invited Alton Brown, host of Good Eats on the Food Network, to share some of the egg recipes from his new cookbook, Good Eats the Early Years. Absolutely. Good morning. Good morning. See you. Big fan. Big fan. We were talking about egg science a while ago and the fact that eggs are pretty much liquid meat. And the key to cooking them is to think of them that way because meat's full of protein, which sticks to things. Right. Also has a fair amount of water in it. And the key is to not cook out all of the water. Right. So we're going to do a slow method and a fast method. You're going to do the slow method. And the thing I was surprised to learn was people still ask you, I mean, people all the time. work with eggs all the time. Nobody it's, knows it's how to do it. It's a huge, huge mystery right. to people. It's all always right. a mystery. I want to make sure that I've got a warm platter Ooh, nice. for our eggs. Yeah. I always have to have that. I've yeah. got a really hot pan for my scrambled eggs. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and crack one egg into that custard cup. I'm going to start my scrambled eggs here. And I always like to use cold butter because I want to see how it foams in the pan to let me know whether it's ready or not. That's super hot. That's, that's pretty hot. So what I'm going to actually do is I'm going to turn this heat off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add my scrambled eggs. Right. I'm going to count to about three. That's about three. (laughs) And I'm just going to kind of fold them. I like big curds. Now, the reason we're doing this fast is to create a lot of steam Mm -hmm. so that it lifts the eggs. Here's the big thing about scrambled eggs. If they look done in a pan, Mm -hmm. they will be overcooked on the plate. You must pull them a little bit early. And if it takes more than about 30 seconds, you've done something wrong. That's it. Onto the plate. That's it. They will finish let them sit for 30 seconds. They will finish on the plate. Okay? Now your turn. And you get the hard one. Okay, okay. okay. I, I don't need, I need a little water. I'm going to take care of you. Okay. A little bit of butter. Now watch this. This is the trick to the over-easy egg. Mm-hmm. You want it to pool in one place. Drop it right there. I'll put it in the pool. Drop it put right the there. Egg nice and pool. there you go. Now you notice how I'm holding the pan up? That's good. You're very scientific. Uh, I can see how you pour that. Now, just hold the pan like this for a little bit. And we're going to do this very, very slowly. By holding it up like that, the egg pools mm-hmm. there in the front of the pan. Mm-hmm. A little bit of salt. Yeah. And then all we can do is wait. Yeah, salt now, because salt will help to uh, kind of harden that membrane right there. Right, right. So then when we get uh, ready to, to flip that egg, um, we're going we're gonna to be ready for it. Unfortunately, you can literally see it yeah. starting to the white part. Now, you see, that's how you know it's a really fresh egg. You right. see that membrane right there? Gorgeous. That hard part, should, if there's more of that than the little white part running around the edge, you know that it's a really fresh egg. And that's really key. If you're going to have just eggs for breakfast, have them as absolutely as fresh as you can. Now, you can kind of let that down and it'll stay put. Now, that's going to give us a nice, clean shape. 
Now, unfortunately, yeah. time, this is one of the things you cannot rush. But here's what we can do while you're waiting for that. Yes. Because you got to look at all this book, which oh, is out in stores I like now. that. you got to see this, because not only do you get this book that weighs how much? Four, three, three point eight pounds. If you carry three it all the store, you're going to be hungry. And then look at this. Yes, it's a life-size poster. Right. How often can you buy a book and get a poster? Thank you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip your I'm gonna flip your egg for you. And if I do this right, it won't break the yolk. And if it's fresh, maybe it won't. So you want to bring it all the way to the lip, and then bring the pan up like that. And we wait about ten seconds, and we'll flip again. You see how that's nice and white? That that's awesome. gonna be perfect. Luckily, we'll be out before we have to flip it back, because that's usually when things go bad. Do, do, uh, are you on call for like Sunday mornings? Um, I am. I, I, do, I do Sunday mornings um, on referral, but it's a cash only kind of thing. <laughs> I don't take insurance for that. So there you go. As you can see, the, the thing go. about eggs is to get it over with quickly, control your heat, not even have pan. green eggs. Green eggs from yeah. green chickens. My no, I'm gonna, that's gonna have to be on our <laughs> there website. are no green chickens. I don't know. Martha Stewart might have green chickens. Probably. Probably. In quotation she marks. She may dye them, though. Alton Brown, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, Alton's method works, okay? Um, it, it works. We've been making eggs over easy for breakfast every morning this past week. And, uh, you know, his tips have made all the difference, as I mentioned. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com to the uh, those YouTube videos. Uh, you can go look at them yourself. yourself. So, uh, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> in the clip, you heard him mention that it's important to have a hot plate. Uh, he, he's mentioned um, in other places that he never puts hot food on a cold plate. It's just something I think we do without thinking. I know that that here in my house, we've done this just without thinking. We just get plates out the cupboard and, and, and put the food on it. But it's amazing. It just how, how quickly... Uh, hot food will get cold on a, on a, on a room temperature or cold plate. So, you know, there are a few ways that you can heat your plates before putting hot food on them. One way is to soak them in hot water. Another way is to stack them in the oven on a very low temperature. Uh, just make sure that they're oven safe. Don't put plastic in there, please. Uh, and then one of the ways that I've been doing this lately to heat my plate up, uh, when I'm, when I'm cooking eggs in particular, uh, is to set a burner on low and they just set the plate right there on the burner uh, on the stove, you know, at a low temperature, just for a few minutes. Don't want to leave it there too long. And then before I grab it, I always kind of test it first, make sure it didn't get too hot. And I try not to leave them on there very long, you know, just maybe a couple of minutes. So, but I tell you what, it is amazing how different the eating experience is when your hot food is placed on a hot plate. And uh, here's another secret that I learned recently from Alton about eggs. And this one is about salmonella and I got it from his first Good Eats cookbook. Uh, he had a section in there uh, toward the, I think it was for this, the third episode of the whole series, right? Way back in, in, in season one, episode three was about eggs. And uh, this is what he writes. People used to eat raw egg applications. He calls recipes applications. People used to eat raw egg applications all the time. Eggs sunny side up, Caesar salad, hollandaise sauce, chocolate chip cookie dough. But about 20 years ago, the government via the USDA and the CDC started telling us that shell eggs can be infected by salmonella, which can make healthy people mighty sick and sick people dead. The fact that this happened rather suddenly is some evidence that this is not an egg problem or even a chicken problem as much as it is a production problem 
that stems exclusively from the fact that we've decided to treat the chicken like machine parts that just so happens to have pulses. (laughs) Instead of forcing agribusiness to clean up its collective act, the USDA, which was formed, by the way, to promote the agricultural industry, not to protect us from things like salmonella, uh, tells us that in order to safely consume eggs, we must cook them to 160 degrees Fahrenheit, which pretty much ruins them as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know what I say? I say I'm not going to marginalize the world's best ingredient just so the poultry industry can play it loose and we can have eggs that are cheaper than they ought to be. Find a local farmer who keeps a few chickens roaming around the yard and buy his eggs. Oh, sure. They'll be all shapes and sizes and colors, and they'll cost twice or even three times as much as grocery store eggs. But guess what? They'll taste great, and you won't have to worry. Better yet, get your own chickens. Most municipalities in this country allow the average homeowner to keep a few cluckers around the yard. And heck, when one stops laying, stew. (laughs) That was his, this little segment, this little kind of like a text box in his um, cookbook about salmonella and eggs. <sighs> you know, I, I didn't really know this about salmonella until I read this just the other day. You know, but I'm happy to say that we've been buying our eggs from local farmers for months now. Um, actually, we've, we've been eating brown eggs from free-range chickens for years. But several months ago, we discovered that we could get our eggs locally from a farmer and that we actually save a dollar per dozen. So good deal, you know, and these eggs taste so much better. Anyway, there are tons and tons of tips in Alton's cookbooks. The first two Good Eats cookbooks are already out. They were published back in 2009 and 2010. Uh, His third and final Good Eats cookbook is scheduled to be released this month. Uh, I think it's September 27th, if I'm not mistaken. Now, if you plan on buying any of his cookbooks, I would ask that you kindly use my Amazon affiliate link over at catholicfoodie.com. It doesn't cost you a penny more, but when you order by clicking on my affiliate link, amazon.com throws a little money my way. And it's a very easy way for you to help support the work that I do here at The Catholic Foodie. And I thank you so much for doing that. Now, if you are saddened that Good Eats is coming to an end, I'm right there with you. But there's some good news. There are three more one-hour-long episodes coming out this year. The final episode will be the Thanksgiving show. And uh, with the release of the new cookbook, uh, Alton will be traveling on a book tour. I'm very happy to tell you that he is returning to New Orleans as part of the tour. He will be at at, um, Octavia Books on October 19th. And guess what? We'll be there (laughs) again. You know, back in 2008, Char and I took the kids to meet Alton when he was on tour with his Feasting on Asphalt cookbook. And matter of fact, that was right around the time that I first launched the Catholic Foodie. I'm just now remembering that. That's amazing now that I think about it. It was about the same time of the year as the fall. Uh, And I even have a post way back when. I'm gonna have to put the link in the show note to that. Uh, the show notes. And, and uh, I think I even did an episode on that. Wow. That was a long time ago. That must've been one of the first ones. Cause we're on 123 now. Oh goodness. 
Uh, anyway, it was really cool, very cool to meet Alton in person. And we chit-chatted just for, I mean, we only had like, I don't know, maybe two minutes tops because he, he signed the, the, the book and we had him sign it and, and uh, address it to, um, to our children, you know, Christopher, Annabelle, and Grace. And, uh, well, they're, you know, we're all in this household, we're all big Food Network fans, okay? And especially Good Eats, especially Alton Brown. Beasting on Asphalt, we love that too, but Good Eats is just like... I don't know. It's just epic, you know? You're listening to The Catholic Foodie Show, and you support it Real Life Radio. we got to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. Now, now, what about Alton after Good Eats? What is he going to do now? You know, in this, uh, the NPR interview that I mentioned earlier, he had this to say. You know, it's been 13 years. It's one of those shows that um, to do it right is pretty much an all-consuming task, I've got so many other projects that I really want to do, and yet I'm not willing to let Good Eats slip down to even 95%. But I think that the new projects that I'm going to be doing are, are going to segue nicely. I'm not abandoning it. I'm just evolving. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ree. And, and this, this is Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> <laughs> It's tomato season here in central Ohio. We pick the ripe red fruit only to find a few days later that there's another basket waiting for us. My mother-in-law has been largely responsible for teaching me her canning and preserving wisdom over the last few years. While we're slicing the tomatoes and putting them in the pans to cook in round one, she throws out bits and pieces of the wisdom she's gleaned over the years. It's not limited to tomato wisdom. She has shared all manner of goodies with me while we are at her kitchen sink or, more recently, at my kitchen sink. When I stood at the sink in an endless streak of processing, filtering the seeds and skins using a contraption that makes my older kids beg to help, she bustled back and forth, narrowly escaping burns even as she seemed to be everywhere at once. Then... After the strained sauce had cooked down and cooked down and cooked down, she walked me through the specific process she uses, washing jars and sterilizing them, then putting them in the canner in groups of seven. Truth be told, this is my favorite time of the year. The smell of the tomatoes, the work of my hands, the teasing change of seasons. It's the stuff of miracles. Though I live in the country... I'm as guilty as anyone of being removed from the physical lifestyle that only 50 years ago was a standard. So when I read about some of the long-ago apparitions of Mary, recently and in the past, I have to realign myself mentally. I have to think about the message for those people, do some transposing to get the message to make sense to me in my life right now. In the Guadalupin apparition our lady of guadalupe we have mary appearing to an apparently insignificant person a poor indian convert juan diego was as nobody as it got boy do i know that feeling so much of what our lady of guadalupe has to say is relevant to me now she meets me where i am It seems so fitting that I finished a book on Mary waiting for the tomato sauce to thicken. With the smell of cooking tomatoes in my nose, I closed the back cover. 
Finishing a book and tasting the fruits of my labor are rewarding in a way so few things nowadays seem to be. Clearing out Google Reader just doesn't have the same satisfaction. Emptying my inbox just doesn't taste as good. Answering all my messages doesn't meet my inner need for creativity. We have many more tomatoes to can. The plants are bogged down with the promises of at least two more sessions in the next few weeks. While I stand there at the sink, I'll think of Our Lady of Guadalupe and of Mary, the girl from Nazareth. I'll consider the work the Indians of Juan Diego's time did and the humble clothing they wore. The story will be mingling with cooking tomatoes in my mind to the tune of my mother-in-law's stories and advice. I think that's just the sort of beauty Mary intends for each of us. Don't you? Thank you so much, Sarah. That was Sarah Reinhardt, folks. You can find more of Sarah's work, including her recently published Advent book, Welcome Baby Jesus, over at snoringscholar.com. And now, over at catholicfoodie.com, you can find all of Sarah's Mary in the Kitchen segments in print format. Just go to catholicfoodie.com. There's a Mary in the Kitchen spot right there on the homepage down toward the bottom. Or you can go to uh, to catholicfoodie.com slash M-I-K. A big thank you to L'Angelus for allowing us to use their Ave Maria in the show. You can find L'Angelus at CajunRecords.com. This is Archbishop Joseph Nauman of the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas, and I look forward to welcoming you here in Kansas City for the Catholic New Media Conference on October the 1st, 2011. Join us October 1st for the fourth annual Catholic New Media Conference. The CNMC is a festive, educational, and international conference focused on evangelization and building community through the use of new media. This year's CNMC will focus particularly on social media and how the church and its institutions can effectively use it. Beginning with hands-on workshops on Friday, September 30th, and continuing with the main program on Saturday with Vatican Radio's Sean Patrick Lovett, the nun blogger Sister Ann Flanagan, Catholic mom Lisa Hendy, and popular Catholic bloggers and podcasters. It'll be a weekend to remember. Details are available at cnmc.sqpn.com. Make sure you're going to Kansas City for the CNMC. This brings us to the end of the show, folks. I certainly hope that you have enjoyed it. I have a few quick tidbits for you before we close the show. First of all, I'm looking for voice feedback from you. (laughs) I want to hear from you. How does food meet faith in your life? You can call call in your voice feedback by dialing 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. You can call that number day or night. Just leave a message and I'll be able to play that on the show. Also, the new, the new, the new Catholic Foodie site is now live. And uh, I think it looks great. You know, it's just not my opinion, though. I have received tons of compliments from folks. So thank you so much. Thank you all so much. Um, If you haven't already, please do go check out CatholicFoodie.com. Dot com Got a whole new look on a whole new platform. It's a lot of fun. I was also flattered the other day when I learned that CatholicFoodie.com had been chosen as the website of the day by CathNews.com. That's Catholic News. CathNews.com in Australia. 
awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. A big shout out to all my Aussie friends. You know, good on you. Good on you. <laughs> and thank you so much, CathNews.com, for, for that, uh, that privilege, that honor. Thank you so much. And finally, I want to let you in on a little secret. I'm working on a wine buying guide. Have you ever been in the grocery or the, a wine store and you stood there looking at all the bottles feeling, well, perhaps just a bit awkward? <laughs> I mean, there's so many different kinds of wines and, you know, so much goes into the wine making process. How are you supposed to know which one to buy? Well, I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> I've been there and, uh, and I'm putting together something to help you. And I know that it's going to help you because I've had so many people in the past ask me my advice when it comes to buying wine. And so I'm very excited that I can finally put all this together into a little wine buying guide just for you. And uh, I've set up a link where you can go and sign up for more information and uh, if you want to be one of the first ones to know when this guide is finally released, you can sign up over at catholicfoodie.com slash buying wine, catholicfoodie.com slash buying wine. Uh, do it today. Do it today. And you'll be one of the first to know. And it should be done in the next week or so. So uh, I'll let you know as soon as it is. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, you might want to check out The Catholic Foodie on Facebook. People are having a love-hate relationship with Facebook right now. But Catholic Foodie is over there, facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, good old steady Twitter that doesn't change too radically from day to day. Uh, Twitter.com slash Catholic Foodie. And don't forget to check out the new Catholic Foodie website at CatholicFoodie.com. So until next time, bon appétit. I'm Julia Child. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed that uh, flashback, I guess you'd say, this this uh, trip into the archives of the Catholic Foodie Show. Uh, Good Eats, one of my most favorite uh, food shows on television. It's still available, by the way, on Netflix. I know they carry it on Netflix, um, probably on Hulu or Hulu Plus and, and some of the, you know, the uh, those online venues uh, where you can find content, uh, good TV shows. Uh, you also, I, I believe you can find the, well, of course, the book. You know, the, the books, the um, three good eats, the three volumes of uh, uh, good eats, the cookbook. Uh, you can find those. I know I got mine, I believe, on Amazon or via Amazon.com, uh, except for... Well, I think I well, I think one of them we we had out and actually did sign it. We we bought that at Octavia Books uh, in New Orleans, and uh, we did make it. By the way, uh, to that uh, he was there October nineteenth, uh, whatever year that was. I guess it was two thousand eleven. We did make it to that uh, that book signing again. When he went on, he talked. I wrote about this over at CatholicFoodie.com. I had to find it, maybe link to it in the show notes there. Uh, he talked for a good while about how much he loved New Orleans, uh, how much he loved the food. The city, uh, the fact that uh, New Orleans is in many ways a one of the one of the three major food meccas he called it uh, in the United States. So that was just awesome to hear him say and to hear him say in public. And then the funny thing is, is that when he went to sign my uh, the book that we had bought. 
He, um, <laughs> this was funny. Uh, when he went to sign it, we got into the conversation about motorcycles because at the time I was riding a motorcycle and he loved to ride. And uh, we got into that uh, that conversation. I guess I distracted him because I had asked him to make the to sign it when he signs the book to make it out to the Catholic foodie. Well, he got distracted, and in the end, I didn't see it until we left the building. Um, he had signed it to the Catholic. So according to Alton Brown. I am the Catholic. <laughs> Funny, huh? Funny stuff. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Catholic Foodie Show today. You can find the show notes, recipes, all that good stuff over at CatholicFoodie.com. And until tomorrow, bon appetit.